This morning we're back in the book of Exodus, chapter 15, beginning in verse 22, and going all the way to chapter 17 and verse 7. I'd invite you to turn there, if you would. This is the beginning of Israel's time in the wilderness, as God leads them to the promised land. And Israel's time in the wilderness, it's not easy all along the way. And it raises a question, especially this morning's passage, raises one of the most essential questions that I I think that we can ask ourselves. And that's the question, will I trust God? Will I trust God even if he leads me into hunger and thirst and various trials? Can I really trust him with everything in my life? Do I believe that he has the right to bring me through a trial? Do I trust that he is good and faithful to provide in all circumstances? And so we're going to consider this morning that question. Can I trust God? Will I trust him? As we look at this story of what happened to Israel in the wilderness. We see a bit of a pattern emerge. We see that God tests his people to see if they will trust him. That's his desire in bringing them to the places that he brought them and the different wildernesses that he took them. God tests his people to see if they will trust him. And uh, we find that God's people flunk the test completely. That they, they each time don't trust God. They don't serve him wholeheartedly. They want to go back to Egypt. But we're not left there either. God, we'll see, then gives a reminder of the test. Uh, More than a reminder of the test, he's giving a reminder of himself and his provision and his faithfulness each and every day. And not only do we have this reminder, but then God goes on and he repeats the test and we see the same thing happening. And this, this pattern of God testing man failing to trust God and God providing really leads us to the New Testament. Particular, I'm thinking of the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where Paul Warns the, the Corinthian church, don't follow the Israelites' example. That's the New Testament's commentary on this, this whole time in the wilderness. Don't follow the Israelites' example. We're not to be a people who turn away from God, even in trials. But Paul doesn't end there with just don't do this. Paul goes on to give us the reason for perseverance in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And we'll, at the close of the message, we'll come back to this. But essentially what Paul 
reminds the believers, what he reminds you and I, is what we see God doing in Exodus 15 through 17. Again and again, we see that God is faithful to provide. And that's what 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says. God is faithful. He will surely provide a way through the test. When trials come, you can trust God. Let's look at Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. This is where we find the, the time of testing introduced. Israel is on the other side of the Red Sea. And we, they've sung a song of thanksgiving and praise to God in the first 21 verses of Exodus 15. Now in verse 22 we read, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. When they came to Marah, they, uh, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara, which means bitter. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen, to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So it's been three days since God delivered his people, three days into their journey, and Israel has come to a place where they again needed help. This time it wasn't Pharaoh's army, but thirst that was the trouble. They had no water. And in their thirst, the Israelites complained to Moses, and they there we are told in verse 25 that God tested them. There he tested them. And in verse 26 we're told he tested them to see, and this was his, his uh, statute, his rule that he gave to Israel. He said, if you would listen to the voice of God and do what's right in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. God made a promise to protect them from diseases if they would trust him. In this testing and this statute, we see that God's desire was for them to listen to his voice. His desire was for them to follow his lead to trust him. God brought them to a place of need 
and he will continue to do so to see if, if they will trust him, if they will obey. Again and again and again, we see that Israel desperately needs God because they don't keep his law. They don't trust him. And so they continue throughout the whole journey to be dependent on God. And, and that is no less true today. God is continually refining his people, bringing us through trials of various kinds so that we would trust him. He does this because he knows if he made the road easy all along the way, we would not trust him. We would think that we were okay without God. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses warns the people, the second generation who are about to enter the land, that when they enter the land, they should not think it was because of their might. They should not think it was because of their wisdom. That they should not think it was because of their righteousness that God brought them into the land. It was because he was being faithful to his promises. All along the way we see that we need God. And we can trust him as he leads us. And so when God puts us in places where we come to the end of ourselves, we learn that we need him. We have a choice. We can go on our own merry way and try to sort through life on our own, make the life that we want for ourselves, or we can trust God. We can be thankful and rejoice in all circumstances. And so we see that God takes his people through times of need, times of thirst. But he also brings times of refreshment, as we see at the end of chapter 15, verse 27. Brings them to the beautiful 12 springs of Elam. They have a time there of refreshment of rest under the 70 palm trees. I hope that we can see that God uh, God is the one who faithfully brings us through trials and who faithfully brings us times where we can rest or we can recuperate that we could see those times in our lives when he has done that for us or he has renewed us 
Well, the journey isn't over. So let's continue reading in chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the sixth month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate our bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We'll pause right there. When life doesn't go our way, what's really inside our hearts will come out. Jesus talked about this when he spoke about out of the heart the mouth speaks. Well, it's out of Israel's heart that we see them grumbling and complaining. And it's not pretty at all. Where is Israel's heart in this passage? Israel's heart is focused on food. It's focused on their current need that they can't see any way around it. We need food. And you know what? Israel's physical urge for food is something that's a real need. I hope by now you realize that you need food to live. But their focus and their desire for food has drowned out every other voice. In the midst of their thinking that in this current need that they have, whether it be food or we might think of something else that we need, that, that catches us up and we're caught up in thinking about this need. Yet they don't see the goodness of God. They don't see the goodness of God in bringing them faithfully to where they are today. They're not thinking about how God can provide Moses cut to the heart when he said in verse 8, Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. They were upset at God. And they were taking it out on Moses because, well, for one thing, they didn't want to be hungry. And that's fair enough. Most of us don't want to be hungry. And we're not supposed to. But secondly, they don't trust God to provide for them in their hunger. It's sad when we think about the grumbling that came out of their hearts. It's sad because they had the Lord with them.
the God who created the universe, the God who sent ten plagues to free them from Pharaoh and brought the waves of the sea crashing down upon the armies of, of Pharaoh. Surely they could have turned to him. But instead they're daydreaming about how life in Egypt was better than dying in the wilderness. When you read what they said, there's not an, a part of that that's true. They've forgotten that they were slaves in Egypt. Their life wasn't a good life. It wasn't as though they sat around eating and feasting every day. Their dreams of life back in Egypt weren't based on reality. And so it can be with us. We desire something when we are faced with a time of trouble and a time of need. We want things to go back to the way they were. We want a way of escape. But we'll go to all the wrong things. Just as Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. They were choosing the reflection over the real thing. They were choosing the mirage in the desert over the, the springs of living water. Because they'd already forgotten the mercy of God, the salvation of God, the provision of God. And so in terms of a test, we could say that Israel flunked it. They desired the world more than they desired God. They trusted the empty and foolish promises of Egypt over what God could give them. And their life was hard. They were in real need. How many times have you and I been in real need? But instead of turning to the God who can provide more abundantly than we could ever imagine, we would rather go to the world. Rather go back to the old way of life, of relying on me and finding pleasure in empty joys. It's easy to point the finger at Israel and think that I, that's not me. But when have you longed for this world instead of trusting God? When have you said, if only this were different, I could be happy? How many of us have thought that around thanks, this time of Thanksgiving? I feel in my own heart that there's a tendency lately to, to have to work to be thankful. But it's a good process to rejoice and to remember these things when it's hard. 
Because that's when we need it the most. That's when we need to see the faithfulness of God the most. When have you forgotten these past weeks that God is able to provide all that you need? God can be trusted in your times of need. There we go. Not working for me. But God's not finished. The people wanted plenty. And so God gave it to them. This time to test the hearts of his people with what they wanted. Well, they trust God now when he gives them the bread they long for. Let's read verses 4 through 5 of Exodus 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Will they listen to me? When I give them what they wanted, when I give them what they need. Verse 5. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. You'll notice in these two verses that God promised to provide bread every day. And he set limits to what they were to gather each day. And on the sixth day, they were to gather for two days so that they would trust God and rest in his provision on the seventh day, the Sabbath day. If we go on down to verse 12, God not only promises bread, but he gives them meat. He sends quail. The short version in all of this is that in spite of all God provides, Israel is left wanting more. Twice, in verses 20 and verse 27, they don't listen to the word of God. In verse 20, they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. They were to trust God with each day's provision, one day at a time. They didn't want to do that. Verse 27 and 28. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. This was on the Sabbath. But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Instead of being satisfied with bread from heaven, they wanted more. Does that sound like anyone that you know? Sounds a little bit too much like me for my liking. Even plenty wasn't enough for them. Because they didn't want God. They didn't want just enough for each day. They wanted a better life. Folks, I can promise you that even if God gave you everything in this world, 
it wouldn't be enough. Jesus himself said, what's it going to profit you to gain the world if you lose your soul? And he also said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love God and love the world. You cannot live your life for this world and live for God. You either love the one or you hate the other. You trust the one or you entrust your life to the other. And if you entrust your life to the world, it's going to end. Until we see that God is all that we need, we will never be satisfied. And God in this life will continue to allow things into our path to show us how much we need Him. And we may bring it upon ourselves by our own foolishness where we, we see the consequences. I pray that we see the consequences in this life before it's too late. So God has been testing his people to say, will you obey me? Will you trust me? Will you follow me? And this test has been flunked by God's people, whether they were in need or, or in plenty. They struggled to trust God. God also gives us a wonderful, beautiful reminder of the test. Beautiful reminder of his provision. Verse 32, Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer... Of it, that's the manna, let an omer of this manna be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And if we continue on and, and read verse 35, a little note is added. Now the Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. How many days did God provide? Every day? How about that? How faithful is God? Some days faithful? Six days a week when we're okay? When we're doing our part, now God is faithful all the time. Doesn't mean that he won't allow us to face the foolish consequences of our sins or judge <laughs> wickedness. Just go on to the book of Numbers and there when the people are complaining, uh, he sends... Uh, the earth to swallow them up and makes them throw up their meat because he wanted them to learn a lesson, to learn to trust him. So here it's not quite so severe. God wants to show them his provision, his faithfulness. It's a, a view of God's 
love for you and his provision for you each day, that will bring you to trust him. You cannot see that again and again and again. We'll go to other things to try and satisfy us. I really pray that we take this to heart. I don't think we'd grumble <laughs> if we truly saw how faithfully God's provided for us and protected us every day of our lives. If we honestly reflected on all the times that we've been unfaithful, that God has shown us mercy, we'd have every reason to cry out to God in our troubles, to voice our every sorrow, to, to lament the evils that we see around us, that we experience against our own selves. When we remember God's faithfulness, we have every reason to continue to trust when we feel abandoned. Every reason to trust when we can't see a way out of the trouble we're facing. Because he's 100% faithful. We have the testimony of Jesus Christ, who is faithful and obedient to the Father, even to the cross. Well, just to drive the point home, let's briefly look at Exodus 17. The test is repeated. Here's another opportunity for Israel to trust him. Verse 1 through 3. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So, there you go. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear to see that after a couple of opportunities to trust God, Israel continues on that path of unbelief. They're still going why did you bring us? And this time they, they actually command Moses. They're saying, give us water to drink. It's a bit of a threat there. Or else we're going to leave you. Or Moses seems to think in, in Exodus 17 verse 4, they're going to stone him. So he goes to God. He's frightened. In their thirst, Israel actually takes the place of God here. They begin to be the ones who lay the, the demands. God, you do this. Moses, you listen to us now, or else we're going to leave you or stone you. They're testing God as though he needed to prove himself to them. 
Later the psalmist and, and, and then the author of Hebrews will pick up on this and talk about their rebellion. The waters of Meribah. At the heart of Israel's grumbling was an unwillingness to submit to God, to trust him with their lives. Might say that they wanted Christ without the cross. They wanted to be able to lay on God their demands and expectations of what life should be like. What it comes down to is this. Israel's trials in the wilderness reveal the rottenness of our hearts and the goodness of God's heart. They remind us again and again and again of how helpless we are apart from Christ and how generous and kind he is toward us. In Exodus 17 God goes on and tells Moses to strike the rock. And out of that, they were given water. The Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 10, speaks of Christ as that rock, that spiritual rock who was struck so that God's people might have the water of life. In all of Israel's unworthiness to receive this gift, God gave it so that they might have life. This is an example to us then, not only of, of our sin and our lack of trust in God, but also of the wonderful faithfulness and mercy of God toward us. We might be tempted many times to respond like Israel did, Maybe we're saying, if only things were different, I could be happy, or if I could be happier if this would change. Maybe we feel like making deals with God and demands. God, if you do this, then I'll trust you. Only the gospel can transform our hearts to trust God in every trial. To know that, that we are unworthy of the grace of God as Israel was on that day at the waters of Meribah. Where they grumbled against God. They demanded of God. God, in his mercy gave them life on that day through Christ. It's knowing God's faithfulness that gives us hope, God's mercy, that gives us hope in every trial. It really comes down to the question, will we trust the God that Jesus did He trusted his father. 
even to death. He went to the cross in his love for us and suffered and died. for unfaithful people so that we might both share in his sufferings and rejoice in and share in his glory to come. The Apostle Paul wrote in second or first Corinthians rather, first Corinthians chapter 10 that these things happen to us as an example and are written down for our instruction. He was speaking of Israel in the wilderness. And he goes on to say that God is faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation... No time of testing, no trial has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You believe this promise that God is faithful? That again and again and again, God provides a way through every trial. He doesn't put us in a situation that we could blame it on God or say, you know, God's responsible. He stuck me here. Now I can just do whatever I want. That's never, never the case. Always he provides a way through every trial. If we trust him, he is faithful. When trials come, I hope that you can look to the cross, that you can look to Israel in the wilderness and see that God is faithful, that you can look at your own lives and see His provision, His kindness. And we would know that He's a faithful God.